I'm Ronnie. Hello, and I'm Jenny. And we have a topic to talk about today that um, we've been kind of mulling over. It's interesting because we realized we've been both mulling it, but we haven't actually been talking about it with each other until we mentioned it in prep for this podcast. So go ahead, Jen, what are we talking about? Yeah, so we're talking about how we how we feel and, and what we're noticing as um, as our parents are aging, um, how just, just talking with other people, um, that are living with similar issues that our parents have lived with me and my work as a, as a palliative, um, nurse practitioner, I do home visits now. And so I'm working with a people from all walks of life. And interestingly, as always, I'm attracting or patients are finding me who have, you know, addiction issues, who cirrhosis of the liver, you know, other, other health problems because of their, their addictions and, and some of the choices that they've made. And so it's, it's, it's interesting that on a daily basis, I'm coming across people with mental illness issues and, that remind me of our mom and dad. And, Mm. and it, and it's, it's, it's funny because it's healing for me in ways. I, I guess that's why God, the universe keeps putting these people in my path and, and have for the last 26 years. Um, because it, it always brings them to mind. And, and I know that I am helping this person in some ways and certainly in ways that I never could uh, help our parents. And because of course they wouldn't allow me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's very, I feel that what we, what we survived as kids and, and, and our healing journey has, is yet again being used to try to help others. And it's, it's, it's it's interesting. It's sad, um, but in some ways, it's also. You know, I walk away feeling, well, I know I've, I've made some contribution in this person's life, and right. in their healing process. And even if it's just helping them face their imminent transition, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that I, I'm talking to them about considering hospice care and I'm I'm trying to make that transition as peaceful and and unthreatening and as I can for them um it's it's rewarding but it's also sad um and and many of these people have you, you have estranged relationships you know they talk about their siblings or their or their children that they don't they don't talk to or, or that don't talk to them and, mm. and trying to find some, some support system in the area for them. Some, someone that they can, that they can reach out to. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's sad. And, and it makes me think of course, um, 
as our parents are aging and their health has not been good for a while for either of them. Right. You know, is there going to be a, a time, a moment when they reach out to us? Um, and of course, they've told us we're dead to them more than once. But yes, I still, I still wonder if, as it gets closer to the end for them, will there be an opportunity, a moment to, to make some, some final. You know, I've told them I forgive them. Um, of course, and their response was they don't, they don't want or need my forgiveness. Right. So, <laughs> um, so, well, you know, so is there going to be any opportunity for that, you know, before they cross over to the other side? And, and if not, I'm, I think I've made my peace with this. I still, I still send them love and light and wish them peace and healing. Um, but it, it's interesting that, like I said, you know, you, we've talked about this a number of times when we talked about our work. You know, I have been a magnet for mentally ill patients and addicted patients my whole professional life. Yeah. And, and I'm good at working with them, generally speaking. Um, and, it, but it's still, it's, it's, there's a sadness there. I think there will always be a sadness there. Um, because I, I recognize their suffering and I recognize the loss, the lost opportunities that they've had yeah, for, for healing, for connection with their children, their family members, and just like we've had. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking at times to be reminded of that over and over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, and but I, I oh, still sorry, feel like ahead. I'm no, no, I, no. I still, I still, even, even, even though it's heartbreaking, and it's, I still feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be for right now. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, sure. Because it's a way for you to give care to someone else that our parents wouldn't accept, or mm-hmm. we can't give because of the circumstances. Yeah, because it's not that we hate them or wouldn't be willing to care for them. Exactly. If, if, you know, if they had done anything approaching, I don't know what, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. They just continued to hammer, especially you. They couldn't just stop and say, okay, let's try to move forward, which is what we tried to do many times. Yeah. So, okay, okay, we're not going to get an, an apology. We're not going to get an acknowledgement. Can we just try to have the most superficial relationships going forward? Trying to peacefully coexist. Yeah. Right. Can we (laughs) just peacefully coexist? Right. We'll call once in a while to say, Hey, how are you? What's going on in your life? I don't ever want to come and stay in your home again, but maybe I would come and visit, you know, whatever, whatever it turned out to be. Yeah. And they just, they couldn't do it. Yeah. They couldn't do it. And, and of course you and I have talked a number of times about what we imagined the end to look like. And in particular, if it was our dad who were failing, our mother would be capable of serving up a really huge heap and pile of guilt to get us to come maybe say goodbye to him, right? Your dad wants to talk to you, whatever. And we just can imagine the abuse she would then heap on us once we were there. If it were the other way around, I'm not so sure that that dad is capable of being as vicious in that way at this point. I mean, he was scary in the past when he was younger, but I don't know that he would be that manipulative 
But, you know, so we sort of imagine what we gamed out, what might it look like? What would we be right. willing to do? Like we did that 20 years ago because we, they were in such mm-hmm. poor health. We honestly didn't think they'd live this long. So it's been a very long time. We've been estranged from them. And I know, f- so, so we, you know, so we, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, obviously. Yeah. And the older they get, I think the less likely it is that they're going to be able to mount some kind of really vicious attack. But, you know, who knows? But the, the thing that, when you, as you're talking, the thing that, that comes to my mind is caring for my husband Jim's mother. She was diagnosed with MS late in life. She was uh, quite overweight for most of her adult life. And I think she had symptoms of MS that uh, physicians attributed to her weight. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't get diagnosed until her 60s. And she went downhill pretty quickly. She was, oh gosh, she was probably bedridden within five years maybe a little bit longer than that. And she was in that bed for almost a decade. And yeah. once it got to the point where, where, cause for years when our daughter was younger, you know, we're in New York and they're in Michigan and they would, they would come and visit us a lot to see things that our daughter was in as she was growing up. And they were so good about that. They were very good about that. And they, they were, were very they, conscious that, that they were her only grandparents and that they were getting, in some ways, extra benefits because maybe at times we would have invited my parents and had them visit as opposed to having Jim's parents visit. I mean, some of these things, of course, obviously, they both could have come to enjoy. But So they came for, for all kinds of things, just to watch her play soccer, to watch her in the musical, to watch her in her skating shows, all these things. So they came to us more often than we came to them. We would go to them a couple times a year, but they might come four or five times a year. So we saw quite a bit of them considering how far away they are. It's a, it's a really hard eight hours drive. And so once they were not able to travel anymore and dad became mom's primary caregiver and I, I got to hand it to him. I never would have thought he had it in him, but you know, she was incontinent and everything and he got a Hoyer lift so he could move her and he took great care of her. She never had bed sores. Almost mm, 10 years in that bed. That's I'll amazing. Never, yeah. I that's mean, truly amazing. Unbelievable care. And I know it took a toll on him and he wasn't always kind. He was sometimes cross and short tempered and God who wouldn't be in that circumstance. But it's understandable. Yeah. But we felt like we, we tried to do everything we could to figure out, well, what do they physically need? So we bought her a nice hospital bed. We put in a fireplace that blew hot air because they moved into the family room, which was kind of on a cement slab and it was cold. She was cold a lot. And so we, we did everything we could to try to make them comfortable. And we came as often as we could to see them. We came every like six to eight weeks. We would leave after work on a Thursday and get there at midnight or one in the morning, stay Friday, Saturday, and then drive home Sunday. And while I was there, my mission was to look around and make sure there wasn't something else we could get them that would make them more comfortable or solve a problem that maybe they were having and caring for mom. We, um, we, I, I stayed with mom so that dad could get out. So Jim and his dad would go out and do things while he was still able, they would golf or do those kinds of things. And I would cook because I know Jim's dad wasn't, you know, he wasn't a cook. He would heat things up in the microwave. <laughs> and so I would try to make what I knew she loved. I knew yeah. she loved salmon. So it was always a salmon dinner and I would cook for her. And as it got, you know, later in the stages, I would feed her. And that was my goal 
was to try to go and help them. And, and we, we helped pay for respite care so dad could get out of the house more often. I mean, everything we could think of to take care of her. And she, she did pass in 2019, the day after Mother's Day. Yeah. And um, Jim and I were talking about this just a few months ago. And I don't remember what the context was, but we were t- talking, we might have been talking about my parents first. Uh, I don't know what happened, but somehow it all got wrapped up together. My parents, his parents, caring for his mother, supporting them. And I said, you know, I said, I did all those things because I loved her and I wanted to help her. And she, she said to me before she died, she said, you know, you're not a daughter-in-law to us. You're a, you're a daughter. And, and, you know, that really meant a lot to me. And when I was talking to Jim, I said, you know, I said, I just, I think one of the things I wanted to prove in all the care and attention I gave to her was I'm not a bad person and I'm not a bad daughter. And you could probably hear it. I just broke down sobbing as I said it because I wanted to be a good daughter to our parents. Of course. And they wouldn't let us, you know? Yeah. Their idea of a good daughter was something I couldn't live with. Yeah. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. No, it's not. It's not, but... But it always hurts. It does. Yeah, it does. It's, I mean, there's so many layers... There's that so part many just layers doesn't to go away, unfortunately. I know. It yeah, just there's doesn't. so many components to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we have to live with. We have to make peace with as best we can. And it's not easy. We still reach out to each other. Yeah. On birthdays and anniversaries and Mother's Day and still Father's Day. Yeah. Still. Dad had yeah. a big birthday recently. Mom has a big one coming up. Yeah. Yeah, we still do that. It's interesting how how much the caregiving piece is, is a an opportunity. I was gonna call it a trigger, but it's an opportunity to peel back more layers of recovery. We've said many times, people who've listened to us or read our book know that it was becoming parents that really, really set us on the path of recovery that pulled us out of, was began the process of pulling us out of denial. But what happened to us, because we were trying to think about um, what kind of parents we wanted to be. And of course you inevitably look backward to the kind of parenting that you had. Yeah. And we desperately wanted to be good parents. And I know everybody wants to be a good parent. Everybody who, who cares about their kids wants to be a good Is parent. conscious at all, yes. Um, but mm. there's something, I think, about living through childhood trauma that, that makes you even, makes that a, a stronger imperative, makes you more desperate about it. And maybe more desperate because you know deep down you don't know what good parenting is because you didn't yeah. have it. And so... All of that set us on this trajectory. And it may be that there's there's opportunities for more healing or even potentially some kind of reconciliation. As you said earlier, as our parents age, we don't know if they're going to reach out to us. 
But it's interesting what you've been able to observe in terms of the families you've been, you've been serving. And it must give you some window into what is and may or may not be possible for us, you know, in the coming yeah. years. I just have to trust that, you know, whatever, whatever I can do um, for others in some way, I hope, spiritually, you know, energetically helps our parents. And that if, if I can't be there because they don't want me there for them, then I'm hoping that there will be someone in their lives that will help them in their transition as I am hopefully helping these, these people that I care for. Yeah. That's really important work. Being with people as they come to the end of their lives. We all need that. I think we all need that love and support. It's, It's so important. Regardless of the choices we've made in life. And I think even for the more vulnerable people who have made perhaps many choices they regret, it's probably even more important for them to have that support. Yeah. To know that even even in their that they may see themselves as failures, they still deserve love, they still deserve compassion. Exactly. We all do, always. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, it seems like that's a great place to end. So, if you have anything you'd like to share with us, if this resonated with you, or you have any comments, thoughts about other things you'd like to hear us talk about in the future, we would absolutely love to hear from you. So please hop on over to our website, www.ronnieandjenny.com. Ronnie and Jenny spelled the same way as on the podcast title. And uh, it's very easy to send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We'll, we'll write you back. We promise. <laughs> absolutely. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and your insights. We do, absolutely. So until then, Jenny. We are wishing you so much love and light. And wishing you many, many, many blessings from this beautiful universe.